Modern World History, Patterns of Interaction Chapter 5, Section 1 Spain's Empire and European Absolutism Setting the Stage As you learned in Chapter 2, from 1520 to 1566, Suleiman I exercised great power as Sultan of the Ottoman Empire. A European monarch of the same period, Charles V, came close to matching Suleiman's power. As a Habsburg king, Charles inherited Spain, Spain's American colonies, parts of Italy, and lands in Austria and the Netherlands. As the elected Holy Roman Emperor, he ruled much of Germany. It was the first time since Charlemagne that a European ruler controlled so much territory. A Powerful Spanish Empire A devout Catholic, Charles not only fought Muslims, but also opposed Lutherans. In 1555, he unwillingly agreed to the Peace of Augsburg, which allowed German princes to choose the religion for their territory. The following year, Charles V divided his immense empire and retired to a monastery. To his brother Ferdinand, he left Austria and the Holy Roman Empire. His son, Philip II, inherited Spain, the Spanish Netherlands, and the American colonies. Philip II's Empire Philip was shy, serious, and, like his father, deeply religious. He was always very hard-working, yet Philip would not allow anyone to help him. Deeply suspicious, he trusted no one for long. As his own court historian wrote, quote, his smile and his dagger were very close, end quote. Perhaps above all, Philip could be aggressive for the sake of his empire. In 1580, the king of Portugal died without an heir. Because Philip was the king's nephew, he seized the Portuguese kingdom, counting Portuguese strongholds in Africa, India, and the East Indies. He now had an empire that encircled the globe. Philip's empire provided him with incredible wealth. By 1600, American mines had supplied Spain with an estimated 339,000 pounds of gold. Between 1550 and 1650, Roughly 16,000 tons of silver bullion were unloaded from Spanish galleons or ships. The king of Spain claimed between a fourth and a fifth of every shipload of treasure as his royal share. With this wealth, Spain was able to support a large standing army of about 50,000 soldiers. Defender of Catholicism When Philip assumed the throne, Europe was experiencing religious wars caused by the Reformation. However, religious conflict was not new to Spain. The Reconquista, the campaign to drive Muslims from Spain, had been completed only 64 years before. In addition, Philip's great-grandparents, Isabella and Ferdinand, had used the Inquisition to investigate suspected heretics or non-believers of Christianity. Philip believed it was his duty to defend Catholicism against the Muslims of the Ottoman Empire and the Protestants of Europe. In 1571, the Pope called upon Catholic princes to take up arms against a mounting power of the Ottoman Empire. Philip responded like a true crusader. More than 200 Spanish and Venetian ships defeated the large Ottoman fleet in a fierce battle near Lepanto. In 1588, Philip launched the Spanish Armada in an attempt to punish Protestant England and its Queen Elizabeth I. 
Elizabeth had supported Protestant subjects who had rebelled against Philip. However, his fleet was defeated. Although this setback seriously weakened Spain, its wealth gave it the appearance of strength for a while longer. Philip's gray granite palace, the Escorial, had massive walls and huge gates that demonstrated his power. The Escorial also reflected Philip's faith. Within its walls stood a monastery as well as a palace. Golden Age of Spanish Art and Literature Spain's great wealth did more than support natives and build palaces. It also allowed monarchs and nobles to become patrons of artists. During the 16th and 17th centuries, Spain experienced the Golden Age in the arts. The works of two great painters show both the faith and the pride of Spain during this period. El Greco and Velázquez Born in Crete, El Greco spent much of his adult life in Spain. His real name was Domenicos Teotocopoulos, but Spaniards called him El Greco, meaning the Greek. El Greco's art often puzzled the people of his time. He chose brilliant, sometimes clashing colors, distorted the human figure, and expressed emotion symbolically in his paintings. Although unusual, El Greco's techniques showed the deep Catholic faith of Spain. He painted saints and martyrs as huge, long-limbed figures that have a supernatural air. The paintings of Diego Velázquez, on the other hand, reflected the pride of the Spanish monarchy. Velázquez, who painted 50 years after El Greco, was the court painter to Philip IV of Spain. He is best known for his portraits of the royal family and scenes of court life. Like El Greco, he was noted for using rich colors. Don Quixote The publication of Don Quixote de la Mancha in 1605 is often called the birth of the modern European novel. In his book, Miguel Cervantes wrote about a poor Spanish nobleman who went a little crazy after reading too many books about heroic knights, hoping to, quote, write every manner of wrong, end quote, Don Quixote rode forth in a rusty suit of armor mounted on a feeble horse. At one point, he mistook some windmills for giants. Quote, he rushed with his horse's utmost speed upon the first windmill he could come at, and running his lance into the sail, the wind whirled about with such swiftness that the rapidity of the motion presently broke the lance into shivers and hurled away both knight and horse along with it, till down he fell, rolling a good way off in the field. End quote. Some critics believe that Cervantes was mocking chivalry, the knightly code of the Middle Ages. Others maintain that the book is about an idealistic person who longs for the romantic past because he is frustrated with his materialistic world. The Spanish Empire Weakens Certainly, the age in which Cervantes wrote was a materialistic one. The gold and silver coming from the Americas made Spain temporarily wealthy. However, such treasure helped to cause long-term economic problems. Inflation and taxes One of these problems was severe inflation, which is a decline in the value of money, accompanied by a rise in the prices of goods and services. Inflation in Spain had two main causes. First, Spain's population had been growing. As more people demanded food and other goods, merchants were able to raise prices. Second, as silver bullion flooded the market, its value dropped. 
people needed more and more amounts of silver to buy things. Spain's economic decline also had another cause. While Spain expelled the Jews and Moors, or Muslims, around 1500, it lost many valuable artisans and business people. In addition, Spain's nobles did not have to pay taxes. The tax burden fell upon the lower classes. That burden prevented them from accumulating enough wealth to start their own businesses. As a result, Spain never developed a middle class. Making Spain's Enemies Rich Guilds that had emerged in the Middle Ages still dominated businesses in Spain. Such guilds used old-fashioned methods. This made Spanish cloth and manufactured goods more expensive than those made elsewhere. As a result, Spaniards bought much of what they needed from France, England, and the Netherlands. Spain's great wealth flowed into the pockets of foreigners, who were mostly Spain's enemies. To finance their wars, Spanish kings borrowed money from German and Italian bankers, when shiploads of silver came in, the money was sent abroad to repay debt. The economy was so feeble that Philip had to declare the Spanish state bankrupt three times. The Dutch Revolt In the Spanish Netherlands, Philip had maintained an army to keep his subjects under control. The Dutch had little in common with their Spanish rulers. While Spain was Catholic, the Netherlands had many Calvinist congregations. Also, Spain had a sluggish economy, while the Dutch had a prosperous middle class. Philip raised taxes in the Netherlands and took steps to crush Protestantism. In response, in 1566, angry Protestant mobs swept through Catholic churches. Philip then sent an army under the Spanish Duke of Avila to punish the rebels. On a single day in 1568, the Duke executed 1,500 Protestants and suspected rebels. The Dutch continued to fight the Spanish for another 11 years. Finally, in 1579, the seven northern provinces of the Netherlands, which were largely Protestant, united and declared their independence from Spain. They became the United Provinces of the Netherlands. The ten southern provinces, present-day Belgium, were Catholic and remained under Spanish control. The independent Dutch prosper. The United Provinces of the Netherlands was different from other European states at the time. For one thing, the people there practiced religious toleration. In addition, the United Provinces was not a kingdom but a republic. Each province had an elected governor whose power depended on the support of merchants and landholders. Dutch art. During the 1600s, the Netherlands became what Florence had been during the 1400s. It boasted not only the best banks, but also many of the best artists in Europe. As in Florence, wealthy merchants sponsored many of these artists. Rembrandt von Rijn was the greatest Dutch artist of the period. Rembrandt painted portraits of wealthy middle-class merchants. He also produced group portraits. In The Night Watch, he portrayed a group of city guards. Rembrandt's Rembrandt used sharp contrast of light and shadow to draw attention to his focus. Another artist fascinated with the effects of light and dark was Jan Vermeer. Like many other Dutch artists, he chose domestic, indoor settings for his portraits. He often painted women doing such familiar activities as pouring milk from a jug or reading a letter. The works of both Rembrandt and Vermeer reveal how important merchants, civic leaders, 
and the middle class in general were in 17th century Netherlands. Dutch Trading Empire The stability of the government allowed the Dutch people to concentrate on economic growth. The merchants of Amsterdam brought surplus grain in Poland and crammed it into their warehouses. When they heard about poor harvests in southern Europe, they shipped the grain south while prices were highest. The Dutch had the largest fleet of ships in the world, perhaps 4,800 ships in 1636. This fleet helped the Dutch East India Company, a trading company controlled by the Dutch government, to dominate the Asian spice trade and the Indian Ocean trade. Gradually, the Dutch replaced the Italians as the bankers of Europe. Absolutism in Europe Even though Philip II lost his Dutch possessions, he was a forceful ruler in many ways. He tried to control every aspect of his empire's affairs. During the next few centuries, many European monarchs would also claim the authority to rule without limits on their power. The Theory of Absolutism These rulers wanted to be absolute monarchs, kings or queens who held all power within their state's boundaries. The goal was to control every aspect of society. Absolute monarchs believed in divine right, the idea that God created the monarchy and that the monarchy acted as God's representative on earth. An absolute monarch answered only to God, not to his or her subjects. Growing Power in Europe's Monarchs As Europe emerged from the Middle Ages, monarchs grew increasingly powerful. The decline of feudalism, the rise of cities, and the growth of national kingdoms all helped to centralize authority. In addition, the growing middle class usually backed monarchs because they promised a peaceful, supportive climate for business. Monarchs used the wealth of the colonies to pay for their ambitions. Church authority also broke down during the Middle Ages and the Reformation. That opened the way for monarchs to assume even greater control. In 1576, Jean Baudin, an influential French writer, defined absolute rule. Quote, the first characteristic of the sovereign prince is the power to make general and special laws, but, and this qualification is important, without the consent of superiors, equals, or inferiors. If the prince requires the consent of superiors, then he is a subject himself. If that of equals, he shares his authority with others. If that of his subjects, senate or people, he is not sovereign. End quote. Crises lead to absolutism. The 17th century was a period of great upheaval in Europe. Religious and territorial conflicts between states led to almost continuous warfare. This caused governments to build huge armies and to levy even heavier taxes on an already suffering population. These pressures, in turn, brought about widespread unrest. Sometimes, peasants revolted. In response to these crises, monarchs tried to impose order by increasing their own power. As absolute rulers, they regulated everything from religious worship to social gatherings. They created new government bureaucracies to control their country's economic life. Their goal was to free themselves from the limitations imposed by the nobility and by representative bodies such as parliament. Only with such freedom could they rule absolutely, as did the most famous monarch of his time, Louis XIV of France. You'll learn more about him in the next section.